From the Ground Up, a podcast of the Alabama Extension Home Grounds team, educating you about home landscapes, gardens, and home pests. Dr. Dave Hahn, Associate Professor and Extension Specialist in the Crop, Soil, and Environmental Sciences Department at Auburn University, joins us today to discuss home lawns. So welcome. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. Well, you're the extension specialist, and you you are go-to for anything lawn-related. So, question I have for you. A lot of folks want to know how to make their grass look like Jordan hair. Is that possible? And where would somebody start? I suppose it is possible. You'd have to start by having the right kind of grass. So, Jordan hair Stadium is Bermuda grass. Um, so really the only way to make it look like that field would be to use Bermuda grass. And there's a lot of places where you can use Bermuda grass, but there's some places where there's actually other grasses that are a better choice than Bermuda. So the first thing you've got to look at is, can I grow Bermuda grass here? And in a home lawn, that usually comes down to shade. You mm-hmm. need a lot of sunlight to get a Bermuda grass lawn to look like a high-end athletic field. Okay. Um, so you got to have that first of all. And then secondly, you just got to have a lot of time and a lot of money. Yeah, that, that was one of the things <laughs> I was going to mention is it takes a lot of time and money to make your grass look really good. So you really need to be dedicated, I guess. To Yeah, I mean, a high-end Bermuda grass athletic field takes um, fertilizer. It takes uh, irrigation, which is a lot heavier than a regular lawn would need. Uh, and it takes a lot of mowing because um, it's going to be growing fast. So... You know, if your lawn is your hobby, if that's what you like to do with your free time, you know, then maybe you could get something that's pretty close. But um, otherwise, you know, I'd say there might be some better things you'd want to spend your time on. And this is coming from a grass guy. So, yeah. is there, Are there other grasses that might do well in a lawn that might not be your Bermuda grass? Or I know there's a lot of lawn grasses out there. But oh, sure. Some that can look really good. I have seen terrific looking lawns with all different grasses on them. So we have a lot of really nice zoysia grass lawns all throughout the southeast. St. Augustine grass, when it's going good, is is a beautiful grass. Now, it's a different look. You know, St. Augustine has a lot wider leaves than Bermuda grass or zoysia do. So it's a different aesthetic. And sometimes people look at one grass and it's maybe not the grass they were used to looking at when they were growing up and they just cannot wrap their heads around having a yard that looks like that but i've seen really beautiful lawns with centipede grass on them with tall fescue i've even seen some pretty nice looking bahia grass lawns so Hmm. there are a lot of grasses you can use in the southeast and really what grass you use depends a lot on like i already said what you grew up looking at but Mm -hmm. also um the kind of uh, soil and how much shade you have in your lawn. So typically your St. Augustine's and zoysia grasses, some of the newer zoysia grasses that have hit the market in the last 10 years, probably are going to do the least bad in the shade of all of the uh, uh, lawn grasses we have available in the southeast. There is no grass that is a shade-loving grass. I don't like it when people use that term because there's no grass that's going to grow underneath the drip line of a magnolia tree or right. underneath a big old live oak or something like that you know that's where you put your azaleas that's where you put your uh actually shade tolerant plants and i'd like to see people leave the grass for sunny areas so it's maybe a little bit ironic but i do spend a lot of time when i'm talking to homeowners about grass telling them to use less grass because i think a landscape looks a lot better when you're putting each plant 
in an area where it's going to have a chance to do its best. So I like grass, I like lawns, but I also like trees. Yeah. And so we need to have a good mix of those. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people misunderstand that growing grass all the way up to the trunk is probably not the best idea for for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, mulch it all the way to that drip line of that tree. Right. And, uh, you know, that that keeps your lawnmower off the roots that may be surface roots. That's right. uh, Which causes a lot of problems in my experience. You know, they're they're trying to, you know, chopping those off. And and, and also the, the grass, I don't care what grass it is, it's going to be thinner underneath the drip line of a tree Mm -hmm. and so you're going to get weeds in it but if you're trying to treat for weeds right underneath the drip line of a tree well a lot of the herbicides that'll kill broadleaf weeds out of lawns also harm can harm tree roots and so you got to be all kinds of careful under there And, and and i'm with you like i said i try to make sure that people understand that grass is great and it has its place and that place is out in the sun yeah What's your uh, what's your favorite type of grass? My personal favorite type of grass is a tie between Bermuda grass and zoysia grass. I guess I like Bermuda grass out in the sun because it's pretty easy as far as it's aggressive when it gets enough sunlight, uh, so it doesn't have as bad a weed problem. Uh, so is zoysia, you know. Uh, Bermuda grass is very forgiving because it grows fast. So if you do mess up with Bermuda and it's out in the sun, it's probably going to come back. It is really hard to completely, totally kill Bermuda grass. About the only way you can do it is plant a tree and, you know, <laughs> let, let it get shaded out. Um, but I do like zoysia grass as well. Just the aesthetics of zoysia grass are terrific. So October is one of our driest months. And right now uh, we're recording this in October and hopefully we'll release it soon. Uh we are in a little bit of a drought right now. So we are. some of the grasses have begun to show a little browning. Is that something a homeowner should be concerned about? Generally speaking, no. Um, especially late in the growing year like we are now. Um, it's going to be going dormant in another month or so, probably when we get our first frost. You know, most of the state experiences their first frost sometime in November, right? Um, so honestly, at this point, if it didn't rain i would just stop watering my lawn and let it go dormant these warm season grasses you know your bermudas soja centipede st augustine grass they're adapted to uh actually fairly long periods of drought all of these warm season grasses that i just mentioned they'll go 60 to 90 days without any rain in the middle of the summer wow and survive that and come back when you when it does start raining uh, so to let them go dormant a little bit early in the fall because it's dry, that's not going to hurt them at all. Now, that's assuming they're in good health, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're under a tree, for example, you know, yeah. uh, or on heavily compacted soils, have shallow root systems, then they won't last as long in a drought. Um, but for the most part, for your standard lawn, so uh, I can give the example of my own front yard is Bermuda grass, and I have not watered it. I'm trying to think, probably since June or early July. Wow. I'd watered it a little bit early in the season when we had a bit like a week or so without rain because in the in the early part of the growing season, I just wanted it to get really nice and dense. But if I watered it now, it wouldn't grow that much more anyway because we're getting cool at night, the days are getting shorter, and it's just not a time of year when warm season grasses do a lot of growth. Now, if I was in North Alabama and I had a tall fescue lawn, that's a little different. 
because we're actually just starting the time of the year when tall fescue has the type of weather that it likes to grow. So these, you know, this week has been okay growing weather in most of Alabama. We've been, what, in the 80s during the day, 60s mm -hmm. at night. Well, come, what, next week, we're fixing to get down into the 40s at night, stay in the 70s during the day. That is really good growing weather for cool season grasses. So tall fescue, ryegrass, bluegrasses. Um, and so you may want to throw some water on a, on a tall fescue lawn to help it get going. And, and uh, it will be doing some growing this fall. So should a homeowner consider some type of irrigation, uh, whether it's one of the little oscillating sprinklers or installing a system, is, is that worth uh, the effort and the money to put one in as a homeowner? That's a great question, and I'm going to give the classic professor's answer, which is <laughs> it depends. Right. <laughs> um, if you've got a large landscape with mixed plants and the lawn's part of it, and you know you're going to need irrigation on, on most of it, go ahead and throw irrigation on the lawn. If it's a warm season lawn, you can probably get away without irrigating the lawn, actually. But having, you know, a, an installed irrigation system certainly is a lot easier than dragging a hose around with a right. sprinkler on the end of it, especially if you have a large property. If you have a smaller lot, you know, like for me, I live in a neighborhood where some people have irrigation, some people don't. But I live in town. It's not a large front yard. It's like a couple thousand square feet. So... When I need to water, I just drag the hose around. Mm -hmm. But I'm only watering usually a couple times a year. My neighbor has an installed irrigation system. The temptation with the irrigation system you have is to use it too much because you just set it and forget it. Um, and so it comes on every day, whether it's raining or not. Mm -hmm. That's bad. That's just a waste of water. I mean, that's just a straight up. I don't. You, you're throwing money down the sewer, literally. Literally, yeah. Literally. <laughs> so... Uh, if you're going to have one, you got to take the time to understand how it works, how to set it up, how to find the off switch when it's raining, mm -hmm. uh, or put rain, uh, uh, rain sensors on it to shut it off automatically when it's raining. Uh, because we do live in a state here in Alabama where we get 55 to 60 inches more, probably in, in the southwestern counties, of rain a year on an average year. So in an average year, we shouldn't be using our irrigation for the lawns all that much now if and it's an abnormally dry year then yeah but i mean there are some years where you're not going to really need to be using it at all too so i guess you kind of have to manage your expectations you know mm -hmm. if you if you want that pristine lawn it gives you more control right. right it does give you more control so if you want the absolute pristine perfect lawn you know like i said if that's your you know what really uh sparks joy right <laughs> yeah, right then that's that's one way to get that. But I think, um, you know, if you just want a healthy lawn that is, um, you know, that does look good, uh, but is maybe not ready to have, you know, the SEC championship game on it, <laughs> then uh, you don't need it. I get a lot of calls from homeowners that want to establish a new lawn, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be new construction or they've moved in recently and they, they want to know where to start. Um, especially on new construction, because there's a lot of things that can happen with new construction. Yes. And a lot of people want to bring in dirt. Is that a good choice? Uh, for, for me as a horticulturist, <laughs> you know, I would say, okay, what kind of plant life is already there? Because if you add more soil, like on top of a tree root, for example, you're probably going to kill that tree. That's right. Compaction issues with, with construction, a lot of different things to weigh in. So how would somebody, if they have... New construction, just bare slate, what's the best way to establish a new lawn? 
again, it does depend a little bit. So there's new construction, and then there's new construction. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, what I mean is, a lot of times we see this in like Madison County and Baldwin County and here in Lee County, areas where the population is growing really fast. They'll just take either uh, land that has trees on it or land that used to be agricultural land and just turn it into a subdivision, right? Maybe not save any of the existing vegetation yeah. on that land. And I've seen places where they'll just take it down to the, to the bare red clay subsoil and they'll slap a landscape in on that, you know. Mm-hmm. So they'll just slap sod on top of that. They'll dig a little hole in a backhoe and drop a tree in that. And none of that stuff actually does very well after a couple of years. The grass usually shows the effects of being planted just on top of poor quality compacted soil first. But sooner or later, the bushes and the trees are going to start to die too. Um, so in those cases, it might be, you might want to look to bring in, I'm going to say soil instead of dirt. Okay. Yeah, that's a bad and, word in your, and, and, in your world. <laughs> well, and, you know, the problem with bringing in fill dirt is just that you don't, it may not actually be a great medium for growing plants. Uh, it may be better than compacted red clay, mm-hmm. but you got to worry about the source, right? Because that's a great way to bring in weed seeds, for example. Um, that's what I'd be worried about the most about just, you know, driving down the highway, seeing a pile of dirt in somebody's you know, yeah, with a sign on it that yeah. says, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you got to make sure that you're going to get get some, some dirt or soil from a source where um, you trust them, that it's not going to be full of weed seeds. Um, if you're redoing a lawn in an existing house, and so you do have to worry about, you know, the vegetation, um, the point you made about uh, burying tree roots is really important. You know, mm-hmm. those feeder roots on a tree are in the top couple inches of the soil four or five inches of soil. That's right where the grass roots are too. If you bury that and then try to grow grass on top of that, tree's not going to be able to, you know, survive for long. So uh, you don't want to bury tree roots in soil. Um, So in that case, you know, you're you're, kind of looking at maybe you can amend the soil a little bit, uh, get some compost, get some uh, organic matter, Mm -hmm. uh, but you're probably not going to want to do a wholesale addition of several inches of yeah. soil on the top. So you mentioned warm season and cool season grasses a lot. Can you mix that uh, and have have grass year round? That's, it's something which a lot of people try and it sometimes works okay and sometimes it doesn't. Where we are, if you're talking about North Alabama, for example, that's really the southernmost fringes of where the cool season grasses can, can basically survive the summer. So really only the very most heat tolerant of the cool season group of grasses, and that's usually tall fescues, uh, are going to do reasonably okay in the summertime. They still thin out a little bit in the summertime. Mm-hmm. But um, as you go further north into what the turf people like to call the transition zone, so think about like Tennessee and Kentucky uh, are, are classic transition zone states, except for like the high elevations in the mountains um, where you're going to be cool enough all year long to, to, you know, maybe just use cool season grasses. Um, you see a mix and there are some cases where people will uh, have a yard, which is a blue muta. I don't know if you ever heard that. Term, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's a mix of Kentucky bluegrass and Bermuda grass. Okay. Um, there's some people in Huntsville I know who have tried what I 
colloquially refer to as fescmuta. I don't think that's actually a real word, but maybe it'll become one. Yeah, it will but that's, now. <laughs> but that's, you know, having tall fescue and Bermuda grass in the same lawn. Again, the thinking is the Bermuda grass will be green and actively growing in the summertime and the tall fescue in the wintertime. What often happens, though, in a place like North Alabama is um, the Bermuda is so aggressive during the summertime that it starts to choke out that tall fescue after a couple of years. Whereas if you go a little bit farther north, you go to, say, like north of Nashville or, or into like a Lexington, Kentucky area. Mm-hmm. They grow a lot of, now, Kentucky is known as the bluegrass state, right? They grow a lot of bluegrass in Kentucky, but they also grow Bermuda grass, and sometimes they do mix those two there. So, um, again, you, you can try it. In North Alabama, you might find that the, the warm season grass will take over after a few years um, just because our summers are pretty long and, and, and the warm season grasses have uh, a lot of time to grow during the year. So is it best to overseed? I don't know. Uh, I guess it just depends on how much you want to put into it, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't normally recommend that people overseed a home lawn, and that's just because it's, uh, it's a lot of work. You yeah. know, you got to, now, if you overseed, then you do have to water in the fall to get that seed to, you know, establish, you know, uh, you have to mow it all winter long because again, in Alabama, what we consider cold weather, cool season grasses are still growing through most of that. Now, when you get down into the thirties, they're not growing all that much, but if we're sunny and 50 degrees, yeah, they're growing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's that. And then there's. The transition back to your warm season grass in the spring when you want that cool season grass to die out and sometimes we'll get stuck in a weather pattern in like march and april it happened to us this year right where we were kind of warm but not like summertime hot for the whole month of april pretty much it was beautiful weather right remember mm-hmm. it's like 80 degrees for a high yeah. and like 55 degrees for a low and your bermudas and zoysias will be green at that temperature but they're not going to be growing real fast and taking over from the old from the cool season grasses so it delays the the transition now if it gets hot early and stays hot not a problem yeah alabama is one of those weird states where you know we we do get cold weather which i think a lot of people have a misconception especially moving in from the north Mm -hmm. um it does get cold here but it doesn't stay cold for a really long time we we might have a week of really really frigid weather but that's, Usually by the next week, we're back in the 40s and 50s. That's right. And as someone who grew up in the Midwest, I can say that's kind of how summers work, or at least used to work in central Illinois, which is where I grew up. Mm-hmm. It'll be 95 degrees there almost every summer, but it doesn't stay in the mid-90s you know, for three months in a row like it can down here in Alabama. So I have an established lawn in my house, but I constantly battle weeds all the time. So... Right now is a prime time for pre-emergence, correct? This is October, so... That's right. So a lot of the weeds that are the biggest problems in lawns are annuals. So they have to come back from seed every year. Um, We do have a lot of perennial plants, too, that are weed problems. But especially as we go into winter, we worry more about annual weeds than perennial weeds. Because this is the south, and and most plants that grow in, in cool temperatures don't survive the summer here. So, for example, those stickers, lawn burrweed, mm. okay, that show up every spring and have those, I don't know, quarter inch or so long spikes that you step on and they hurt. That's an annual plant that actually germinates in the fall. And you can head it off 
by either killing it with a pre-emergent herbicide, which will just kill those uh, lawn burrweed seeds as they start to germinate this fall, um, or with a really early in the wintertime post-emergent herbicide application before, because those little pods that have the spikes on them, that's the lawn burrweed plant's fruit. And so it doesn't have those for the first couple months of the winter. So if you go out there and you know what lawn burrweed looks like, okay, and, and we had a blog post on this, I think it was last year on the extension website mm -hmm. with some pictures of lawn burrweed. Um, and you go out there in like December or January and kill it before it has a chance to flower and make those fruits, then you won't stab yourself. But conversely, if you wait until you start stepping on those fruits, yeah. it's too late because even if you spray an herbicide on the plant at that point and kill it, that dead spike is still sharp and will yes, still hurt you when you step on it. And, and I think I get most calls when it's already too late. Yep. You know, people don't want to hear that, but that's, the, you know, that's what it is. And uh, it reminds me of when I work, used to work at Jordan Hare when I was in grad school. You know, the, they have the Chinese hollies mm -hmm. all around. Well, those Chinese hollies are sharp, but when they're dead, they're very they're sharp. They're still sharp. Yeah, they're, they're probably they're even stiff. Right. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, that's the same thing with lawn burrweed. They're, those burrs, once they form, there's not a whole lot you can do at that point. No, I mean, you just got to kind of wait for them to, you know, just decay naturally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could do things like, you know, drag your lawn with a rake or a piece of chain link fence or something like that to try and break up, break those spines off. And uh, that sometimes works if it's dry and they dry out, you know, but yeah, it's a, it's a real pain. Twice a year, we get into a, a period when we can use pre-emergent herbicides to kill the seeds of either a winter annual weed or a summer annual weed as they're coming up. And so that we fall for winter annual weeds and, and then late winter slash early spring for those summer annual weeds. Is it a particular temperature you need to reach before you start it depends putting those on, out? Well, it does depend on the weed. Mm -hmm. um, most cool season weeds, we, we start to see them germinate when the temperature and the soil falls into the 50s. So think about daytime highs in the 70s, nighttime highs maybe dropping down into the 40s, you know, something like that. The current drought we're having does affect that a little bit. So if you're not irrigating your lawn and the soil is dry at the surface, then your weed seeds aren't germinating yet. Um, and so sometimes when we have dry weather in the fall, people will put out a pre-emergent herbicide, especially if it's like on a granule mm -hmm. and not water it in. And it just kind of sits there, but the seeds aren't germinating. And pre-emergent herbicides, they actually kill... You know, a germinating seedling. If a seed is just sitting there dormant, not trying to germinate in the soil, a pre-emergent herbicide doesn't do anything to it. So, actually, you're going to put out a pre-emergent herbicide. You probably want to water your lawn before you do it, like the day before you do it, and then water that in. And then maybe even water your lawn a couple of days after you put the pre-emergent out. Don't let the... It sounds weird, but you want to encourage those weed seeds to start to germinate when you've got the pre-emergent herbicide in the soil. Because um, if you just put it out and it doesn't rain, it may decay before the seeds start to germinate. Yeah, because that pre-emergent has to get down into the soil profile. It does have right? to get down into the soil, yeah, because that's... it. If it gets down into the soil, then the germinating seedlings are going to absorb it when they're absorbing water trying to uh, get started, and that's that's when it kills them. So if you wait too long, what's our option? If you wait too long, then you uh, resort to your standard post-emergent weed killers. Mm -hmm. You know, so most of the uh, weeds that we're worried about 
are broadleaf plants, with the one exception of everybody's favorite wintertime weed, which is poa annua, yeah. right? Poana, as yeah. we like to call Poana, it in the yeah. south. And uh, that being a grassy weed, um, there are some options you can use, and especially if the lawn is dormant. Uh, but uh, most people prefer to try to attack that from a uh, pre-emergent standpoint. One more grass that I have a question about, um, Dallas grass. Yeah. Everybody's least favorite weed grass, grassy weed. It is a grassy weed. Now, we do have some selective herbicides that will take it out of lawn grasses. Uh, They tend to be the more expensive ones that are aimed at Mm -hmm. the professional lawn care market, but you could buy some of these, you know. Um, But uh, there's a hack. Yeah, I'll call it a hack. <laughs> it's not really a hack, but um, Dallas grass tends to turn dormant later than almost all the other, uh, any lawn grass. And oftentimes you'll have this window in like late November or December sometime when the lawn's dormant and Dallas grass is still green. And you can actually spray a spot spray, probably I would, with Roundup at that time on mm. Dallas grass. Um, and that actually works surprisingly well. Um, you might still see it coming up, coming back, because it is a perennial plant. Um, so you'll probably, you might see some of it, you know, coming back up again next spring. But then if you hit it early with uh, with a selective herbicide before it gets really big, you'll get better control. That's, that's kind of the mantra with weeds, right, is the earlier you can hit them with an herbicide, the better control you're going to get. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't notice weeds until they get really big and start sticking out and start making seed heads, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's usually when they become a lot harder to kill with herbicides. So you're always got to be looking ahead. If you if you want that good lawn. Yeah, if you want the you Jordan hair style lawn, you got to be out there looking at it every day so that you can head off the weeds before they get really big. That's what our guys do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Hahn... Really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for being on today. Again, as we say always, if you have any questions, please reach out to your local extension agent Mm -hmm. and we can help you either identify your weeds, uh, help you with what kind of herbicides you can use, uh, what's allowable. So um, always reach out to your local extension agent and also get your soil tested. Uh, That's, you know, that's right, right now in the fall is a great time to soil test. So start with that and let us know when you get those results and we will help you walk you through that. So until next time, we'll see you later. From the Ground Up is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System. 